0: I'm excited for today, I'm excited for, we're going to be doing a new series over the next few weeks as we lead up to Easter, and you may be thinking, well, Easter's a, still a little ways away, it's about 13 weeks, so that'll be about how long our series is, and we're going to be going through the book of Matthew together, just kind of, you know, a chapter or two at a time, and just the idea being to follow Jesus to the cross. You know, we started with Christmas season just a few weeks ago with celebrating the birth of Christ. And so now we're going to follow along as Matthew goes through the gospel and we see the ministry of Jesus. And till we reach the end where we follow Jesus to the cross. And I think it's important for us to do this. I think it's important to have book studies to, you know, go through a book of the Bible at a time just to be able to see it to see the verses in their context and how it fits within the larger narrative of the gospel of matthew and how it fits within the larger narrative of the bible and starting with matthew because the gospels are an important piece of the bible it's a key piece it's the piece that reveals to us jesus and so it's important for us to study it together and studying scripture in this way is a way for us to go deeper it's harder to go deeper when we jump around and have different passages each week, but this is going to give us a chance to be intentional and to really focus in on what the gospel of Matthew has to say and what the life of Jesus looked like as he went through his ministry. And so as we start, just kind of want to give you a little bit of context for the book of Matthew, right? It's the first book in the New Testament, and so many of us have read it, we know it, but there's a chance for us to dive deeper and to reflect on the different things that it says and You know, traditionally, the Gospel of Matthew is believed to be written by the Apostle Matthew, which is why it has the name Matthew, but there is some debate there, because we don't know for certain who wrote it. The Gospel itself does not tell us who wrote the Gospel of Matthew, but it's often attributed to him, and Matthew's Gospel is unique in that it contains some stories that aren't contained in the other Gospels. You know, we have the story of the wise men visiting Jesus That's in Matthew's gospel, but not in the others. The same with some of the parables that Jesus taught. We find a few in this gospel that don't get highlighted elsewhere. And so as we look at the gospel of Matthew together, you can kind of divide it into three key sections. We've got Jesus's life pre-ministry. So things like it starts with his genealogy, his birth, and then his temptations, his baptism. And then we transition into his public ministry and his different teachings as he went around preaching and sharing And then we end the gospel with Jesus at the cross and the resurrection story, and so those are kind of the three key pieces that the gospel of Matthew walks us through. And the gospel of Matthew was likely written between you know seventy and one hundred A.D., which dates it after the gospel of Mark. So this is not the oldest gospel that we have in the Bible. It came after Mark, and Mark was likely used in the writing of this. And we know that Matthew was written towards a Jewish audience. because it contains a lot of the Old Testament prophecies and references that a lot. It's showing the Jewish people who Jesus was in a way that they could understand and highlighting the fulfillment of prophecy that was done by Jesus' birth. And because it was written to show the Jewish audience who Jesus was and that he was the Messiah of the Old Testament. And so he was writing to show others who Jesus was and how that he was God and how he was king and how he was able to fulfill the prophecies. And so we're kind of, you've noticed, we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit. We're starting in Matthew 3 instead of starting at chapter 1. That's because we've been there during the Christmas season. We've looked at chapters 1 and 2. We've talked about those stories. But just to give you a little recap as we dive in, because there's a lot that happens in the first two chapters. We start with the genealogy of Jesus. We start by... Showing who Jesus is in relation to his forefathers, you know, connecting him back to King David and connecting him back to Abraham. We see those connections. And then we see the angel visit Joseph and tell him about what's to happen, about the baby that's to come. And so we see this, and then we see the birth of Jesus and the wise men coming to visit him. And shortly after this, the family has to flee to Egypt because they're fearful that King Herod will kill them and so they spend many years in Egypt and we're not told the specifics then but then they're able to return after Herod dies they're able to return back and so that's and so then we kind of pick up in chapter 3 and chapter 3 fast forwards a lot we're now at Jesus as a fully grown adult and we're at the story of his baptism which is what we're going to focus on today and so i would encourage you you know as we leave here this week and you go home read read back over chapters one and two, because we're going to read through the entire gospel together over the next couple months. So go back and read those chapters, and so you can see the full picture, and we can see the full life of Jesus. And so that brings us to where we're at for today, which is going to be Matthew 3, and I'm going to read it again this morning. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. For he is the one spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, who said, A voice of one crying out in the wilderness prepares the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. John himself had a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. And people from Jerusalem, all Judea, and and all the vicinity of the Jordan were flocking to him, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to the place of his baptism. He said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance. And don't presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able to raise up children of Abraham from these stones. Even now the axe is ready to strike the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown in the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I. I am not worthy to remove his sandals. He himself will baptize you, will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn up with fire that never goes out. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. Jesus answered him, allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him to be baptized. After Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And there came a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son. I take delight in him. We have two key events happening here. We first have John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness, sharing of Jesus' coming. And then we have Jesus' baptism, where he meets John and then gets baptized by him. And and so as I mentioned earlier, we have fast-forwarded a lot from chapter 2. We've picked up about 30 years later in the life of Jesus, you know, just— just a few minutes ago, in chapters 1 and 2, he was an infant, and now he's a grown man and ready to start his ministry. And so that's where we pick up in chapter 3. But before we dive into Jesus and his baptism, let's first take a look at John the Baptist. We can see from this passage that John knows that Jesus is coming. He knows what's been foretold in the Old Testament, and he knows that Jesus is coming. And he refers to him as the greater one. So he is calling people to to repent and to turn away from their sins because the judgment of God is coming. And so he's then baptizing those who choose to repent. And his preaching was gaining a lot of attention at this time. People were coming from all over to hear him, and people were being baptized. People were turning away from their sins, and they were choosing to follow God in this moment. And so they were coming from all over to hear him. And his preaching is preparing the way for Jesus. He's setting the stage for what's to come and for who is to come. And so as he's attracting a crowd, he starts to attract the attention of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But John's not fooled by them. He knows who they are. He knows that just because they're the religious elite doesn't mean that they're necessarily following God. And so he warns them. He warns them, too, to repent because he knows that they need to repent just like we all do. They have things in their life, practices that are not of God. And so he calls them a brood of vipers, John is not mincing word with them. He warns them. He tells them that just who they are isn't enough to save them. You know, he says that being a child of Abraham isn't enough, right? They would have thought that their heritage was enough. As Jewish people, as sons of Abraham, that was good enough. They were God's people, and God would protect them. But he's going, no, that's not enough. If God wants more sons of Abraham, he can make them from this stone over here you need to repent too. You need to follow God. Because it's not just enough to have the lineage of David. They need to have the faith of David. They need to be worshiping and following God in the way that they were called to. And only the fruit of that repentance is going to save them. They're going to be marked by the fruit of their lives, not by their heritage or where they come from or their status in the world. And so they need to repent too. And, so, and John knows this, and so he's warning them. He's warning them to get right with God because he knows who is coming. And John knows his place. He knows he is not the Messiah. He knows he is only there to tell of the one that is coming. And he knows that Jesus is far greater than he is, far greater than all of us. And so John was just a messenger. You know, at the beginning of the passage, there, there's a header, and it wasn't included in the verse, but it refers to him as the herald. The herald of the Messiah, and so what does a herald do? A herald was someone who announces the arrival of the king. He proclaims that the king is here. Right? You know, you watch movies and things with kings in it. Right? They often play a little trumpet, play a song, and then you announce, you know, the king is here. And that's what John's purpose was. He was there to announce the arrival of the Messiah. And John took his job seriously. He was dedicated to what he was supposed to be doing. You know, he's living out in the wilderness, preaching and teaching repentance. And he's out there living on wild locusts and honey. You know, wild locusts, things he can catch out there in the wild. That's what he's feeding himself with. That's how he's sustaining himself as he's preaching repentance. You know, he knew the significance of Jesus' arrival. And he wants everyone else to know that. That was his main focus. He wasn't worried about himself and his clothes and the things he had to eat. He was worried about preaching Jesus and preaching to repent as Jesus comes. And so John is out there and he's doing baptisms. As people repent, he is baptizing them in the Jordan. And John knows that his baptism is just symbolic. He says it. You know, it's a show of commitment to repentance. It's a show that show of people repenting. It's An outward symbol of what's happening in their hearts as they choose to follow God. He knows that this baptism isn't making anybody clean. Only Jesus can do that, and that's what Jesus is going to do when he comes. He's going to baptize through the Holy Spirit and through fire. Jesus is going to be the one who brings that cleansing power to the people, and John knows this. And so then that kind of brings us to the section of scripture where we get to jesus's baptism where jesus comes to john to be baptized and so we see jesus here choose to submit himself to john's baptism you know jesus had nothing to repent of yet he chooses baptism jesus is choosing free choosing to identify with the message that john is preaching and with the movement of followers that john has created in the name of god Jesus is associating himself with this man and going, yes, you were right. The Messiah is coming, and that Messiah is Jesus. And John recognizes that he's not worthy to baptize Jesus. You know, he's not worthy to take off his sandal, as he says. But Jesus says, no, th- this is what needs to happen. John recognizes, though, that he's the one that needs to be baptized by Jesus. He's the one that needs the cleansing power of Jesus. But Jesus goes, no, this is what's needed for now. And Jesus is humbling himself before John as he chooses to be baptized and to identify with those who were repenting and who were choosing to follow God. And so Jesus is baptized, and the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove. And this marks the beginning of Jesus's ministry. This is his commissioning moment from the Father and from the Holy Spirit as Jesus is sent out into the world to preach and to teach and to ultimately die on the cross and rise again. This is the beginning of that life of ministry. And so here at this moment, at this commissioning moment, we see God's blessing on Jesus and on his life and on his ministry. We see the fulfillment of the Old Testament here. The Messiah has come and he's here. And so we see that. We see the Father give his blessing. We see the Spirit descend on him. And so... Right, as we look at these two two stories this morning that tie together, right, you know, the question becomes, you know, what is our takeaway? What are we gleaming from these passages? And you know, what what is it that we're to learn here? And I think there's a couple of lessons that jump out to me as I read these stories. You know, the first lesson is repentance, the repentance that John was teaching of. You know, we too need to repent. We too need to turn away from sin and turn towards God because we have all strayed from God at different times, and so we have to repent from that and come back to him. You know, just like being children of Abraham wasn't enough to save the Pharisees, coming from a Christian home isn't going to save us. Going to church regularly isn't going to be what saves us. It's going to be repentance and turning towards Christ. That is going to be what saves us. Only repentance and turning towards God and his grace and his forgiveness can save us. And Jesus is offering us that cleansing power, and but it's on us to take it. It's on us to choose to repent, to choose to follow Christ, and to accept His love and His grace for us. The second lesson comes from John and his actions and the way he chose to respond in this moment, and that lesson is to trust God and to trust His plan. And you know, John was confused. He didn't know why Jesus was coming coming to him to be baptized. John knows that it's Jesus who should be baptizing him, not the other way around. So to John, none of this makes any sense. He doesn't get why Jesus would want to be baptized by him. He knows he's not worthy. But even though he is confused and he doesn't understand it, he does it. He chooses to obey Jesus in that moment. He took that step of faith and obedience to do as as Jesus says, even when he didn't understand the why. Because he'd been given a job to do. Jesus had asked something of him, and so he was going to do it. And so do we respond the same way? Do we choose to listen to God when we feel him calling us in a direction? You know, we have his scripture. We know what his word says. Do we choose to listen and obey it, even when we don't understand it? Even when scripture maybe doesn't make sense to us, or we question the things that God is asking of us, do we choose to do it and obey in faith? Are we willing to follow Jesus even when we don't fully understand? You know, hopefully we choose to respond in the way that John did. Hopefully we choose to trust and have faith in God and that he's going to lead us in the right path and we choose to obey him in those moments. And the third lesson comes from looking at Jesus' baptism and just want to take a moment to appreciate the significance of this event in Jesus' life. Because this is an important moment, an important moment in his life, and it has ramifications for us, it has implications for our lives as we look at Jesus and the start of his ministry here. And so I want to read verses 16 and 17 again. After Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And there came a voice from heaven, This is my beloved Son, I take delight in him. So here we see Jesus has been baptized, and suddenly the heavens open, and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove, and he hears God the Father's voice in heaven speaking. It's a powerful moment. It reminds us that Jesus is coming to earth in his ministry, in his plan for salvation, and everything he did in his life and through his death and resurrection on the cross was not just his plan, but also the plan of the Father and the plan of the Holy Spirit. We see the Trinity at work here, we see them coming together with their blessing and their affirmation on Jesus. Charles Spurgeon put it this way, There was the voice of God the Father, who did not reveal himself in a bodily shape, but uttered wondrous words such as mortal ears had never heard. The Father revealed himself, not to the eye as the spirit did, but to the ear, and the words he spake clearly indicated that it was God the Father bearing witness to his beloved Son." So that the entrance of Christ upon his public ministry on earth was the chosen opportunity for the public manifestation of the intimate union between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And so we see here in this moment the Trinity at work and on the move together, and it's a cool and amazing thing. And so we've now set the stage for Jesus' ministry here on earth. The Father and the Spirit are confirming that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the Son of God, and he is here to save the world. He has the blessing of the Father and the Spirit on him in this moment. Jesus' baptism also connects him to his humanity and connects us to him through his humanity in the rest of the world through this baptism. You know, Though he was without sin, he took on the form of man and identified with human experiences. That's what he's doing here in this moment of baptism as he chooses to identify himself with the others who have chosen to repent and follow God. And this even included the experience of him being baptized, and it becomes a practice that he later tells us to do. And so Jesus' baptism provided an example that he expected us to do as followers, right? In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we see all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus begins his public ministry with baptism, and he ends it by giving us a command to go and to baptize others as we follow him. And so this baptism is important. It's an important piece of of his journey and his ministry. And it's why it's an important piece of our faith as we choose to follow God and then take that step of baptism to show the world that we are following him and that we have repented too. And so Jesus is leading by example here. He's showing us what he wants us to do. And so those are just three of the lessons that jump out to me as we read these passages this morning, as we look at John the Baptist and his ministry, and look at Jesus in his time of baptism before he even begins his ministry. And so I would encourage us, let's take these lessons from Matthew as we leave today. Let's take the lessons from John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus, and from the example that is set through Jesus' baptism. I hope that you're excited for this series as we study through the book of Matthew together and as we approach Easter and following Jesus to the cross, I hope you're excited to dive into these stories together as we look and learn from the life of Jesus. And you know, over the next few weeks, we're gonna really focus in on the gospel message as we study the gospel of Matthew. And so we're gonna see the good news of who Jesus is and the great gift that he has offered us through salvation. He loves us enough That he chose to be born and come into this world. And everything we're going to read and talk about over these next few weeks is because of his great love for us. And he wants to have relationship with us. He wants us to know that love and to experience it personally. And so let me encourage you, if you've never taken that step of faith to have a relationship with Jesus, let this be a time to do so. Let it be a time to repent and to choose to follow God and to enter into that relationship with Jesus because it's a great and beautiful thing to be able to know him as Savior. And as we study the gospel together, there's no better time to do that. And so let this be a time for us to commit our lives to Jesus. And for many of us in this room, we've already made that decision. We've chosen to follow Jesus. So let's continue to follow him. Let's continue to be reminded of his teachings and the things that he has called us to do, and let's choose to follow him still. And let's use this time as we study through Matthew to draw closer to him. You know, we may have heard these stories before, and we may have read them many times, but let's ask God to give us fresh eyes and ears to see and hear them anew this time. Let's ask God to have them transform our hearts like it were the first time we're reading or hearing these stories. And that would be more encouragement for us as we leave here. And I would also just like to encourage you, read ahead. You know where we're going to be for the next couple weeks and months. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew. Let's spend time each week reading through just a chapter or two at a time as a way to prepare our hearts for next Sunday, as a way to prepare our hearts for the ways that God is speaking and moving through the Gospel of Matthew you know we're going to cover 26 chapters in about 13 weeks so we have to go fairly fast and there are pieces and stories that we're going to miss because we can't focus in on everything but taking time to read it at home in between each Sunday is a great way to still get those stories and to hear how God is speaking and moving and I'll try to pull it put it in the bulletin like I did this week it'll be there at the bottom where where we're going to be next week so you know you know go ahead we've been in chapter three today read chapter 4 before next Sunday so that you're prepared and give it a chance to just kind of meditate on your heart so that god can speak to you through his word and so now let's go to god in prayer dear heavenly father we thank you for all your many blessings we thank you for the opportunity to gather in this place to worship and to praise you lord and lord we thank you we thank you for your scripture and for the gospel of matthew and lord i pray that you would bless us as we dive into your word together and study it as we seek to draw closer to you I pray that you would help us take the lessons from John the Baptist and from Jesus' baptism and apply them to our hearts and to our lives, and that as we read the gospel together, it would be transforming our hearts to be more like you, Lord. All this, I ask and pray in your precious and holy name. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is going to be Jesus is Lord of All. Let's stand and sing hymn number 599.